Hello there, and welcome to Planet Sport Football Africa, the show where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined as usual by Solomon Ashams. Today we'll be looking ahead to the second leg of the final of the CAF Champions League, plus the decisive second legs of the 2014 World Cup qualifiers for Africa. And we're going back to Brazil. After last week's special edition of the show from Brazil, this time we hear about the Street Child World Cup, which takes place in Rio next March. We'll find out about this amazing tournament and the impact that it's making. The people campaigning for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission in Burundi are being led by street children. Um, And it's fabulous that... You know, Burundi have never qualified for a World Cup, never qualified for an African Cup of Nations, but here they are, you know, coming to Rio to represent their nation. Well, that's coming up later, but first to the CAF Champions League final. The second leg is on this Sunday, with the seven-time champions Al Athli of Egypt hosting South Africa's Orlando Pirates, with the first leg having ended 1-1. Bad result there for Pirates, who did manage to get an equaliser with the last kick of the game. They'll take some heart, maybe, from the fact that they beat Athli 3-0 in Egypt in the group stage. So maybe this could still be an open contest, Solomon. You know, their form at home has not been the best. And it was good that they got that last-minute equaliser. But you're playing against the seven-time champions. I think Al-Hali have what it takes. And they're going to go into this game knowing that, look, we want to do it again. This is the only tournament that Egypt uh, has a chance to win. They're not going to the World Cup from the look of things. 6-1 against Ghana already. Uh, So, obviously, this will be a consolation for them. But the Lando Pirates, I don't think I would count them out yet. They're good on the road, good against uh, the uh, Arab teams. They have been very confident. The coach of Orlando Pirates, Roger Desar, said, look, we are confident. We're going there to make sure we make it happen. The first game they played against Al-Hali in the uh, group phase where they won 3-0 was not played at Al-Hali Stadium. It was a neutral venue. And also, remember, Al-Hali and the whole of Egypt was uh, having a Muslim fast at that period. So obviously, maybe that affected their performance. And we might just totally see a different Al-Hali team playing against Pirates in the final leg in the 2013 CAF Champions League final, which is uh, definitely going to be a cracker. Orlando Pirates right there trying to win it for the second time in their history. So the game is on on Sunday. It should be a great one. Now, the security aspect has been very interesting on the run-up to this game. Orlando Pirates say they're not worried about security in Cairo for the match, but a political and social unrest in Egypt, as well as outbreaks of football-related violence, have led to Ghana expressing concerns about safety for their World Cup qualifier coming up there shortly. And they've twice asked for the game against Egypt to be switched away from Cairo and to be played on neutral ground. However, FIFA have ruled that the Ghana game will go ahead in Cairo after receiving security assurances from the Egyptian government and the Confederation of African Football has taken the same view to allow Athli to host pirates in Cairo. So Solomon, what do you make of these different perspectives from Ghana and from Orlando Pirates? Well, I think, Steve, you know, we're talking about two different teams here. One a national team, one a club side. But Ghana on the other side has been a, they haven't been to Egypt anytime lately. Uh, so they're going into Egypt uh, with a 6-1 advantage. But at the same time, they're looking for neutral venues. Maybe they're trying to make sure they take precaution. Maybe at a game of that nature, which is a national team game not qualifying for egypt might just be a bit political uh so i understand their perspective but if you get 
uh, an assurance from uh, FIFA and also from CAF, which obviously the headquarters of CAF is in Cairo, then definitely I think Ghana should just go ahead and play that game in Cairo because everything from my perspective is going to be taken care of. Well, the second legs of the final round of the World Cup qualifiers for Africa take place next weekend and the following Tuesday. Ghana play Egypt that day and the five winners will represent Africa at the 2014 FIFA World Cup finals. Let's look ahead to the first two games. Nigeria host Ethiopia with a 2-1 lead from the first leg. Ethiopia beaten in Addis Ababa in the first leg. Looks as though maybe their fine run in these qualifiers will now come to an end. Yes, I think that's the end of the road for Ethiopia, Steve. Ethiopia is one of the rising football nations for me in Africa, right from the couple of nations that was played in South Africa, 2012, January and February. They've been playing so well. Uh, Ethiopia is going to give their best. They're going to definitely try to attack as much as possible. But that may just leave them very vulnerable, you know, with Nigeria, just keeping calm and making sure they get their results. But I don't see Ethiopia really getting any uh, good uh, result from that game. It'll certainly be tough for Ethiopia and Senegal host Ivory Coast. It was 3-1 to the Elephants in the first leg. Senegal pulled back a goal late on. Might perhaps give them a little bit of optimism ahead of this game. Yes, a slight glimmer of hope there for Senegal. But remember, Senegal is not going to be playing on their traditional ground because of uh, violence that happened uh, last year. Uh, so it's not going to be really something that is they, they can use for their advantage. 3-1 for uh, Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast, we want to make it to the World Cup three times in a row. Players like Didier Drogba, we want to make sure, you know, that would be their last major tournament, you know, as they go in there. And against Senegal, I, I don't really think they, they, they have the, the opportunity to be able to pass through Cote d'Ivoire. Cote d'Ivoire just need a draw and everything uh, w- would go their way. And uh, it's going to be a game where for uh, Senegal to be able to go through, they need to make sure they don't concede and they need to make sure they get at least two good goals, uh, which I, I don't think is really going to happen in this game. Well, thanks very much to Solomon Ashams. You can give us your predictions on the World Cup qualifiers on our Facebook page. That's Planet Sport Football Africa, all one word. And let us know who you think is going through and which will be the toughest games. Last week, we were looking at the talk of there being more places at future World Cups for Africa. And we heard from Prince Emma in the Gambia. He says, I think Africa deserves more than only five representatives at the World Cup. And they have to reduce the number of slots for European teams and increase those for Africa. Africa with 52 countries but only five voices out of 32 World Cup finalists. Prince thinks that is not fair and says he agrees with Sepp Blatter but he must do something before he resigns from the FIFA presidency. Thanks for your comments. So the Facebook page again, Planet Sport Football Africa. Give us your views on the forthcoming World Cup qualifiers there. Well now on the show we're heading back to Brazil again. The sounds of a beach football match watched by Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard, who joined us on the show from Rio last week to update us on preparations for the 2014 FIFA World Cup. Now, Adrian also found out about the Street Child World Cup. It takes place in Rio in March of next year. The Street Child World Cup is a football tournament that's using the power of football to win rights for street children. It was founded so that children who live on the streets, who are routinely abused and neglected, have the same rights as all children. There are three parts to the Street Child World Cup. There's the football tournament, the arts, and a conference which explores issues for street children and gives them a voice to say what they want to be changed in the world. 
Well, Adrian caught up with the chief executive and co-founder of the Street Child World Cup, John Rowe, in Rio to find out more, and first asked who took part in the first edition in South Africa back in 2010. Eight teams in Durban, um, teams from Tanzania, South Africa, India, Philippines, UK, Ukraine, Nicaragua and Brazil. Uh, it was won by India. And, and Tanzania are very sore about it. It was 1-0, disputed penalty. Uh, they're determined to come back and bring the cup back to, to Africa this time. Um, I mean, it was amazing that the Tanzanian kids, when you, when you talk to them afterwards, you know, I said, when did it, I've seen them recently, I said, when did it become real for you? And they said, well, when they strapped us into the plane to fly us from Wanza to Dar es Salaam. You know, they've never been on a plane before. They've been let down all their lives. And he said, and we got to Dar es Salaam, we got off the plane, and the Tanzanian Minister of Sport was there to greet us and said, you are representing your country. These are street kids which are invisible, which are ignored, which are suddenly representing their country at a World Cup. What are you hoping for the next World Cup in Brazil in 2014? A celebration of football. Brazil is synonymous with both football and street children. We'll never have an opportunity like this again. We've had a fabulous reception here in Brazil. And we've got matches in phenomenal places in a lot of the favelas, in the Zico Centre with Zico. So the boys and the girls, 16 teams of boys, 10 teams of girls, um, are going to experience an incredible welcome here in Brazil. It's clearly caught public imagination, but what difference does it make to these street children when they return home afterwards? So the campaigns are different in different countries. In the Philippines, they're campaigning to have mustard put in glue so that kids can't sniff the glue so that it hurts to sniff the glue. In Burundi, it's a team of reconciliation. They want a peace and reconciliation commission in Burundi. They never had one, and they want the Street Child World... They want to use the platform of the Street Child World Cup to campaign for that. In Tanzania, it's about education. I know in Ukraine there was a, a big difference for some of the kids who... Well, for all of the, the kids mm. who took part in the last Street Children World Cup, their situation changed dramatically when they mm. went back. Yeah. The kids that will come are already involved with projects. Um, they've all lived um, on the streets um, at some point during their lives. The Ukrainian kids, uh, one of them had been adopted. When, when they got home, she persuaded her foster mum to, to bring in two or three others of the kids, um, and, and they were all adopted. And, yeah, they're, they're now young people working in Ukraine. Let's talk a little bit as well about the situation in Burundi and their hope for have a peace and reconciliation. Mm. Kimberly, tell me a little bit about the background mm. and the guy who's been particularly involved in that. Yeah. Dear Donny lost his father and 19 members of his family in October 1993 and found himself on the streets. He, he set up a project to support local street children, and his, his goal is very much to, to campaign for a, a Truth and Reconciliation Commission in Burundi. Um, he was influenced by Martin Luther King and by uh, Gandhi and by Mandela and by uh, his faith, his Christian faith, and is working very much with both Tutsis and Hutus and is using this um, as, a, as a team of unity. Um, it will be remarkable. I mean, it's just fantastic to think that the people campaigning for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission in Burundi are being led by street children. Um, and it's fabulous that 
you know, Burundi had never qualified for a World Cup, never qualified for an African Cup of Nations, but here they are, you know, coming to Rio to represent their nation, and that is huge news. When we went out to Burundi, we were presented to the the vice president of Burundi, um, who was very proud that a team from his country are representing them in Brazil. Well, Africa as a continent will only be sending five teams to the FIFA World Cup, but ah. I think there's more teams coming from Africa for the Street Children yeah, World Cup. Yeah, there is. Teams coming from uh, South Africa, Mozambique, Mauritius, uh, Tanzania, Kenya, Burundi, Egypt, Sierra Leone, Liberia and Zimbabwe. And I have to ask, you mentioned about one of the youngsters who realised something was happening when he was putting his seatbelt on in the plane. It must cost an awful lot of money yeah. to get these youngsters over to Brazil. How is it funded? Obviously they can't fund it themselves. We rely on individuals. So we've got 100 people coming from different parts of the world as volunteers who are going to help us run the event. They're raising the costs of their accommodation and flight and for one of the young people that are coming as well. We also have corporate partners who are global. So there's a company here in Rio and they have a, they're called Vitol and uh, they're, they're raising money for the team from Mozambique. It's a World Cup and thank God we've got some companies that are worldwide that are working with us to do it. I'm sure there's plenty of ways you could be earning your living. John, so what is your motivation for being involved? To make a difference, essentially. I'm, I'm a huge football fan. I, I'm an away season ticket holder with Swansea. It's my life. My kids, my two daughters come to matches with me. We live and breathe football. We also had an experience in South Africa with, chil- with street children that changed our lives. And project 10, 20 years in the future, what difference do you hope that having organised the Street Children World Cup over the intervening years will have made? What difference do you expect or do you hope will have happened? Our hope and our belief is that in 20 years' time, no child should have to live on the streets anywhere in the world. Our inspiration is someone like William Wilberforce, who managed to abolish the transatlantic slave trade in 50 years we feel that we can do this in 20 years it's not us that are doing it it's in partnership with every other street child organization and campaigning organization across the world but we can help if we help change people's perceptions of street children if people see street children as human if people see them in the way that god created them then they will change their treatment of them Our job is to change their perceptions, and we do that by telling their stories. That's John Rowe, the chief executive and co-founder of the Street Child World Cup, speaking to Adrian Barnard. The second edition of the Street Child World Cup takes place in Rio in March of next year, and that really tells us a lot about the power of football. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Planet Sport Football Africa. Do give us your thoughts on our Facebook page on the forthcoming World Cup qualifiers, your predictions and who you think is going through and which will be the toughest games. Our Facebook page is Planet Sport Football Africa. Always great to hear from you there. You can find the show online at planetsport.tv and Planet Sport Football Africa is a 2K Plus international sports media production.